Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But the Bible tells us there is coming a temple. It's more often called the third temple. We see it here mentioned in in, in chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. That's why we have delved into this right now, because it speaks of this temple that when John wrote this, it wasn't there. John's clearly prophesying of a temple yet to come, because remember, this is written in 95 AD. The temple was destroyed in 70 AD. Thank you for joining us on Truth in Christ Radio. Today we learn that there are Jewish people very interested in rebuilding the temple and resuming sacrifice. They are making preparations to do that exact thing even now. Israel is a nation again, and efforts to rebuild the temple are for real. The main Jewish group leading the charge to rebuild the temple is the organization called Faithful of the Temple Mount who say they will continue their efforts to reestablish the Jewish temple on the mount. One leader in the group said, We shall continue our struggle until the Israeli flag is flying from the Dome of the Rock. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. He's like an Antichrist. He's not the Antichrist. He certainly had all the, some of the vestiges of the Antichrist, but he was not the Antichrist that is to come. Very similar in some ways, but not quite the same. And finally, we get to Herod's temple. After that came to pass several hundred years later, you'll notice that Herod's temple is here on the right-hand side. And in order to please the Jews, remember, Herod was not really a Jew. And so in order to appease the Jews, when he comes into a power... Around 20 B.C., he begins work on the Temple Mount. He takes this temple, Zerubbabel's temple, which was kind of decrepit and lowly in the sight of the Jews. And if you're a a politician coming into town, what greater way to curry favor than to say, you know what, you know that old building up on the hill over there that Antiochus desecrated? Let's make that. Let's jack that up. Let's put that on steroids. Let's get, and and I'm going to fund the whole thing. (laughs) And so Herod the Great, a great architect but a madman, sets out for 45 years, 46 years, to rebuild Zerubbabel's temple. And the Jews are blown away. They've never seen something so glorious. Even Solomon's temple compared to this temple on the right is nothing. You know, Solomon's temple is nothing compared to this temple. It's huge. The whole Temple Mount complex has expanded greatly. Fortifications, I mean, the footers and everything. If you go to Israel with us, you get to see all this stuff. And you guys remember when we were in Jerusalem just a few months ago? 
we stood on all these things. It's amazing to be up there. I remember in 2005, I had the opportunity to actually go up on the Temple Mount itself, right there next to the Dome of the Rock. And I looked out the eastern gate toward a Mount of Olives. Never been there since. I mean, I never, never got to be up there on the Temple Mount. It's very difficult to get up there. It's, it's like winning the lottery or something. It's, you, just, you can't, a Gentile, it's just hard to get up there. But there we were with Amir, our tour guide, in 2005. He got us up on the Temple Mount somehow. And I was standing on the Temple Mount, and I was thinking about all these things that I've been reading for years. All the history, all the wars, all the destruction, all the bloodshed, the kings, the places where we're walking, Solomon, David. I mean, all the people in the Bible, they were all walking, we're walking over the places where they've walked, we, or, or right there where it all happened. And I actually got, I got nervous. I sat up there on the Temple Mount, and I looked out the Eastern Gate, and I just started to quake considering it all, taking it all in, knowing that I probably would never be up there again. Totally blown away, not only of what has happened on this very spot, but what's coming. It's overwhelming, folks. And if you come to Israel, I pray that you will consider it next year. If, if we have a tour, I'll have to find out more about that. But save your money. It'll probably be in the end of February or the beginning of March. But if we do have one, consider coming. It's, it, it's the greatest time of your life. Wonderful time. But so here we have uh, Herod's temple. And this is called the second temple. Some people might call it the third if you uh, consider Zerubbabel's temple a, um, you know, significant. But Herod spent a lot of money and he totally expanded this whole thing and really made the Jews very happy, made them very happy. And so it was going on for about, uh, I believe it was like 46 years. In fact, in uh, John chapter uh, 2, beginning in verse 18, remember Jesus, he, the, the Jews were speaking to Jesus, and the Jews said to Jesus, what sign do you show us since you do these things, do these miracles? Show us who you are. And what did Jesus say to him in verse 19? He said, destroy this temple. And here he is standing at Herod's temple, the temple that we saw. He's standing there, and he says, destroy. He, I don't know if he pointed his finger. Maybe he didn't. I'm sure he didn't. He probably just stood with his hands behind his back and let them think about it. He said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? Oh, yeah? Really? You're going to do that in three days. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. And so now, Jesus dies on the cross. Three days later, he rises again, around 32 AD, somewhere in that area. Forty days he's seen of many people. Then he rises into heaven. He ascends into heaven, where he is right now, ready to come back for you and I, the church. But then, 35 more years commences. And in 70 AD, we know that Titus, Vespasian, and the Roman legions came against Jerusalem. And they leveled Jerusalem. They destroyed this temple, this Herod's temple. Scraped it to the ground. Scraped it. Killed everybody. The, the streets outside of Jerusalem were lined with crucifixes of hundreds of thousands of Jews that they had crucified and they'd stick them on the road all along the way for people to see this is what happens when you mess with Rome that was the, that was the message 
So the, the whole temple was destroyed. It was caught on fire. In fact, they pushed the, the, some of the temple, uh, the, 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 the foundation, they pushed it off the, uh, what is it, the southwest corner of the temple mount. And I've actually got a picture. I should have put it in here, but I ran out of time. Got a picture of me standing on those rocks that the Romans pushed off the southwest edge of the temple mount, and they're there to this day. Those rocks are there. I was standing on them. And you could see the, how Herod had chiseled. You know, these were Roman, these were Herodian blocks that the Romans destroyed in 70 AD. But at this point now, fast forward to our current day, there's no temple in Jerusalem. There is coming a temple. This tribulation temple, we call it, it hasn't been built yet. All we see in the Temple Mount right now is the Dome of the Rock, the Al-Aqsa Mosque there on the left-hand side, and no temple. But the Bible tells us there is coming a temple. It's more often called the third temple. We see it here mentioned in in, in chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. That's why we have delved into this right now, because it speaks of this temple that when John wrote this, it wasn't there. John's clearly prophesying of a temple yet to come. Because remember, this is written in 95 AD. The temple was destroyed in 70 AD. So John is prophesying of something yet coming. And it actually is wonderful because in... um, And and by the way, there's not a great deal of detail about this third temple. And no doubt, because the one who is going to inhabit this temple is going to be the Antichrist. Jesus is not going to set foot in this temple. There's no mention about it, really, other than the fact that it's going to happen. But there's no outline of it at all. In Daniel chapter 9, uh, verse 27... When Daniel is given the prophecy of the 70th week of Daniel, we won't go into that for time's sake, but notice, it says, Then he, the Antichrist, shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. It's one week of years, seven years. Notice. But in the middle of the week, at the three and a half year period, this midpoint, which we are at right now, he shall bring an end to a sacrifice and offering. They're going to be allowed to sacrifice animals again. The Jews, they live in unbelief. They don't believe Jesus has come. They don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. They are going to accept the Antichrist as their Messiah. You and I already know him. We're waiting for him to come back for us. But notice, he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offering. And, and, and so what's going to happen is the Antichrist is going to cause that to stop. He's going to set an image of himself. And in fact, Daniel chapter 12 speaks of the abomination of desolation that, that is called this image of the Antichrist. Let me read it to you. In Daniel 12 verse 11 it says, And from that time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomina- abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. And so this abomination, this image of the Antichrist, will be set up in a third temple, which is yet coming. But notice what it says in Matthew 24. Jesus speaking, he was standing there looking at Herod's temple when he said this. And remember, it's about 31, 32 AD, somewhere in that area. Jesus said, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place... Whosoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. So Jesus, is he's standing there in front of this temple, and he says, when the abomination of desolation, and this is also after Jesus already told them that this temple, there'd be nothing left standing. He said, not one rock will be here. 
you know, stone left upon another. He said, it'll all be thrown off, and it is. It, I was standing on those pile of rocks. Nothing is going to remain. And then finally he says, when you see the abomination of desolation of spoken by Daniel the prophet, wait a minute. Daniel the prophet was prophesying back in the 6th century. Many people thought that Antiochus in 169-167 B.C. was perhaps the Antichrist, but no, because now Jesus, in like 31, 30, you know, 30 B, you know, A.D., now he says to them, that abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, he's going to be the one. You mean... After this temple is destroyed, there's going to be another temple, and there's going to be another, oh yeah. That's what this is all about. If you look at the chronology, it all makes sense. And he's standing right there before it. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 3, it says, Let no one deceive you, Paul says to the Thessalonians, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, we read this before, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God. Paul's talking about the third temple, too, that hasn't been built, speaking of it. In Revelation 13, in a couple weeks when we get to it, we're going to see this... Uh, uh, we're going to see the uh, the first part of chapter 13 speaking of the Antichrist, or the beast, as we know him. But in the second half of that chapter, we're going to be talking about the false prophet. Notice what the false prophet does. It says that he deceives, this is Revelation 13, beginning in verse 14. He deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived, and he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the beast or the image of the beast to be killed. So now, in this middle, right in the middle of this seven-year period, right in the center of it where we're at right now, there is already a temple. And the Antichrist will set up an image for himself. It's interesting, when we were in Jerusalem, I think it was in uh, 2005, we had an opportunity to go to the, the Temple Institute in the old city in Jerusalem. And you go up to this place, and they're, they're very serious business, these folks, uh, these Jews, because they have, and, and I love the Jewish people, they're, they're wonderful folks. Uh, but the, the Temple Institute is a, an institute where they've got all the vestments, all of the furniture, all of the, everything is ready to go. They've even got the foundation stone. They're ready to build their third temple. They're ready to build the temple. And so as a Christian, I remember going in there at 2005, and all of us were there, you know, a group of us, and Bill Gallatin, you know, was kind of giddy because he's looking at us, and we're all excited because we know what the temple signifies for the Jews. And everyone was putting in money. You know, they had this thing where you could put in money to, to support the project, you know, to finance the third temple. And after we left there, Bill Gallatin, I remember he said to us on the bus, he says, he says you know, you guys did it all in, in, in the right heart, but understand that the money that you're putting in that thing is actually going to the devil. <laughs> you're sponsoring a temple that the Antichrist is going in, and everyone's like, oh, how much did you give? hundred how much did you give five dollars how much did you give 20 and it made us all want to go in there and break it open and take our money back but it's true there it is they are ready to do it in fact a few years ago i forget probably 20 years ago they tried to bring up a i think it was in the 90 1990s they tried to bring in a uh, uh the foundation stone there's actually this is on video 
They were trying to bring it up to the Temple Mount to set it in place, and it nearly started a war. Because the Jews and the Muslims are not simpatico. I don't know if you did you know that they they weren't really they're not really compatible, <laughs> and so they're not very. Um, so anyway, let's talk about this last temple, this millennial temple. Actually, you know what? I, I got to back up here. There's one thing I need to share with you. Turn with me to Zechariah chapter 14 because this is kind of significant. Zechariah chapter 14, speaking of this temple of the Antichrist, this third temple, the one that we all contributed to so gleefully there in the Temple Institute in 2005. I love Zechariah because this is one of the most visual prophecies in the Bible of Jesus' second coming to the earth. Now remember, at the end of the Great Tribulation period, at the very end of it, Jesus is coming back physically to the earth. And he's got set foot on Mount of Olives. That's exactly the place where he ascended into heaven after his resurrection. He ascended into heaven from the Mount of Olives, which is just across the, 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 the way uh, from the, the Temple Mount. He ascended there, and he's coming back at the same place. Read with me in uh, Zechariah 14, beginning in verse 1. It says, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. So this is speaking of the end of the great tribulation period, which we are talking about, or we're, getting, we're in the midpoint of it now. But he says, the city will be taken, the houses rifled, the women ravished. Half of the city will go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Notice this. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet, notice this, will stand at the, on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. I've stood on that mountain. I've looked at it from both sides, from the Mount of Olives over to the Temple Mount, from the Temple Mount to the Mount of Olives. It is an amazing sight. Notice what it says. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a large valley. Half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. And you shall flee through my mountain valley, and the mountain valley shall reach to Azo. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Thus the Lord my God will come, and all the saints with you. That's you and I, folks. All the saints with you. That's you and I will come back. It shall come to pass in that day that there'll be no light. The lights will diminish. It shall be one day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but at the evening time it shall happen that it will be light. And in that day there'll be living waters flowing from Jerusalem. You can look at uh, um, Ezekiel chapter 47. It speaks of water flowing from the Temple Mount in in the millennium, which we'll get to in just a moment. But notice that he... Now, when he comes down on the Mount of Olives at the end of the tribulation, gets think of this, just practically think about this. You're on the Mount of Olives, and just across the valley, the Kidron Valley, is the Temple Mount, where there's this Dome of the Rock still there, probably the Al-Aqsa Mosque, and probably this third temple that the Antichrist is going to build. And just across the valley, there's such an earthquake that it causes the thing to split from east to west and north to west. Do you think anything standing within several miles is going to be standing? Do you think anything's going to be standing structurally? If it can do that to that mountain, trust me, when you look at that mountain, you think if that thing splits, like it says it's going to split, everything is going to be devastated. On, this, on the Temple Mount, certainly, everything is just going to be wiped. 
This third temple that the Antichrist put his trust in. See you. Bye-bye. Sayonara. See you in St. Louis. Remember Bugs Bunny when he did that? See you in St. So, now, fast forward now to the time at the end when Jesus comes back in his second coming. There's another temple, the last temple that's coming. It's called the Millennial Temple. And this is a diagram of it. It, you really can't tell the size, but this complex, and it's spoken of, you can read Ezekiel chapters 40 through 47, and it gives detailed account of exactly everything. If I had time, I would show you this video that I've got that some um, architects put together, and it's a 3D model, and it, it'll blow your mind how big and expansive this is. This temple here, this millennial temple that Jesus will build, will dwarf any temple that has ever been built. It makes Herod's temple even look like... Romper room. It's huge. It's a huge complex. And Jesus will rule and reign. And so will David, King David, by the way. Ezekiel tells us that David, God's going to allow him to reign in Jerusalem. He's going to be the prince among them, among us, the redeemed. Now, there's a lot we could say here, and I I don't want to. We're running low on time. But let me just say a, a few quick things. This millennial temple, I would just encourage you to look at these scriptures uh, because there's more ink dedicated to the blueprint of this temple than even in the tabernacle in the Old Testament. A lot more detail given, even more so than Moses' tabernacle that God gave him the plans for. Now Jesus gives the plans. And isn't it it ironic that it's not in the New Testament book? When I read Ezekiel, I think of it, especially chapters 40 through 47, I see it as like a New Testament thing. In fact, it, it, it supersedes that, the church age, all the way into the millennial reign of Christ, the thousand year reign of Christ, where you and I will rule and reign with him for a thousand years. This temple. Read it, it's really pretty fascinating. And you may be confused because it mentions sacrifices that will be taking place during this time in the millennial reign of Christ. Don't let that throw you. Because we know there are several verses. Hebrews 10 verse 4, It is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. They they were just a temporary thing by faith. But notice, and, and, and now let me see, let me give you a shorter one. In Romans 6 verse 10, The death that he died, he died once and for all. There's no more need for animal sacrifices. Everybody will know at this time what Jesus has accomplished. Trust me. He died once and for all for sin. So what are these sacrifices that they're going to allow? It'll be for memorial purposes. As they go through these animal sacrifices, they're going to look upon and remember what Jesus did on the cross. They're not going to be sacrificing animals to be right with God because they are already going to be right with God. But it's going to be in memorial. It's sort of like why we celebrate communion. We do this in memorial. We do this in remembrance of him. It's the same kind of idea. It doesn't need to happen, but they're going to do it in memorial. Does that make sense? So don't let that throw you when you get to there. But I love what it says. Remember when I was talking about the the Shekinah glory at the end of Moses' tabernacle when it was built, the Shekinah glory, the very presence of God came over the tabernacle, so much so that they couldn't even minister because it was filled with so much of the, the, the cloud that was in there, so bright and so overwhelming. It tells us in Ezekiel, Chapter 10 and other areas in Ezekiel. I don't, we don't have time to go there. 
in succession, because remember Ezekiel's prophesying right before the, the Babylonians came and removed them from their temple. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.